Well, good morning, Thrive Church. I'm glad that all of you are here this morning. I want to, before I get started in my message, tell you about a special event that's going to be happening this Thursday and Friday called the Global Leadership Summit. It is an event for leaders, people who want to grow in their leadership abilities. And there's, if, if you've ever watched a TED Talk, how many of you ever watched a TED Talk? It's going to be a really, it's going to be some solid TED Talks from some leading pastors, some leading Christian business leaders uh, throughout the United States. And so it's going to be leadership packed. If you'd like to be a part of this event, I encourage you to talk to somebody at the Connect Center at the front desk in front of you. This week, we are, we've been given the ability to give special pricing for this event. And so if you want to take part of that special pricing, again, talk to somebody at the Connect Center, and we will make sure that we register you so that you can have that special pricing. I want to encourage you uh, in this sermon, make sure you follow the sermon notes. I hope that you were given sermon notes when you came in today. If not, just raise your hand and say, hey, I would like a copy of those sermon notes, and one of our ushers will help you find that. Uh, you get so much more out of the message when you follow along in the sermon notes. So we've been on this series this summer called Sermon on the Mount. And if you look at the Gospels, it's Matthew chapter 5, verse 5 through 7. Uh, it's really, it's one of the greatest sermons ever given. Even scholars who are not necessarily believers will look at these, uh, the information given in this sermon, and they say, listen, if you would live by these life principles, they will change your life. And so we've been spending time talking about all the different topics that Jesus, he was talking to these people. He was up on a mountainside. I don't know how he did it without the stereo equipment and speakers and stuff. But he was just giving this great message, talking about all these topics, and we've been following along on some of these topics. We've been talking about the, the, the power of your attitude. We talked about the topic of anger. Uh, the other week, Garrett did a great job talking about worry and why we don't need to live in worry. We can live by faith. Uh, last week, Heidi did a great job talking about the power of prayer and fasting in our lives. So today, again, we're going to spend our summer... On the mountainside, we're going to kind of squint our eyes and, and put ourselves on that mountainside and just imagine that Jesus is talking to us today. And I want to warn you about today's topic, okay? If I can do that. Maybe you got some youngins and you're not sure about this. I just want to say this. We are going to go into the deep end of the swimming pool, if you will. And maybe you feel like maybe my child is not ready to swim in the deep end of the swimming pool. I just would want you to be mindful because there might be some discussions on this later. Is that fair enough warning? Let me, let me, let me talk about the subject here and maybe, maybe that will help you understand what I'm saying. Matthew 5, 27 and 28, Jesus said, you've heard the commandment that says you must not commit adultery. Now what is adultery? Adultery is any kind of sexual relationships between a married person and someone other than their spouse. And I, I kind of wonder if, if you are, maybe even if you're single and you are 
having a sexual relationship with somebody who is not your spouse. I wonder if that fits in that category. But Jesus says, hey, this is, this is really important. In fact, back in those days, the punishment, if you were caught in the act of adultery, that was immediate. You, you were called to be stoned. And, and I'm not talking about smoking marijuana or taking drugs here. I'm talking you were put into a, the, the square of, of, a, of a city and people gather around you with big stones and big rocks and they just launched them and they just piled you full of rocks until you died or rather gruesome death. And you ask the question, why is this so important anyhow? Well, what's the big idea? What's the problem here? Why is this so important? Because have you ever noticed that nothing divides the family? Nothing divides the family or breaks up a family more than this sin. It's important. That's why I think Jesus is bringing up this topic. He says, but I say... He, what he does, Jesus has a way of just notching it up another level. Not, not just anybody who commits, who, who is caught in the action of adultery, but I say anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery in his heart. So today we're talking about lust. Lust. What, what I define lust as this. It's a strong unhealthy urge or a desire or craving for something or someone that's ultimately going to lead to sin. I, I think all of us in this room, we understand what this is. We've been there. We've done that. We, yeah, maybe I pastor, I know what you're talking. I really don't want to talk about it, but I'm kind of interested in what you might have to say about it or what God's word has to say about it. When you, when, we, when you think about lust, really, I think a lot of people look at the big one. The big one is what, what, is, what is known as pornography. And I, and I would just say this, my study of, on, on the topic of pornography, it's not just a man issue. You, you, statistics say that there are 20%, 20% of the porn uh, distribution is towards women. 20% of women are, are, are dealing with this issue as, as all. They say that 25% of all internet ser- searches are porn related. That's one in four searches on the internet is porn related. And according to the addictioncenter.com, it is a highly addictive issue. They said that the neurological research revealed that the effect of internet pornography on the human brain is just as potent, if not more so, than addictive chemical substances such as cocaine and heroin. And I, oh, I, I didn't know that. I didn't realize it. And really, the, the issue is what happens is when your, your mind engages in these things, it, it, your body releases this drug called dopamine, and we become addicted to dopamine. And it, that feeling that dopamine gives. And all of a sudden, but, but then after a while, the dopamine charge is not enough, and so we need more, and we need more. And, and that's kind of what lust does. And so why is lust, why is lusting porn such a problem. Well, if you look deeper into this subject, you, you'll see that 47%, the studies say that 47% of families in the U.S. have reported a porn problem. It's a problem. It's not just an issue. It's a problem in their home. Porn 
use increases marital infidelity rate by more than 300%. Marriage is hard enough. Marriage is hard enough, but when you add this substance, this, this lust trap into your marriage, all of a sudden the, the chances of your, your survival for that marriage have in, increased dramatically. 56% of American divorces involve one party having an obsessive interest in pornographic websites. So I'm, I'm, not, gonna, I'm not gonna dogpile this issue so much, but I, I just wanted you to get the point. It's, it's a reality. And I, what I find interesting is that there's so many things that are happening in this world, but it's, this issue is not, not really talked about. And I want you to know this morning some of you might be sitting there like, well, pastor, that's, that's not my issue. But I would say we all have lust in some ways. Again, it's an unhealthy urge, an unhealthy desire that we have that eventually leads us into sin. So that, that lust can be money, it could be power, food, it could be drugs, it can be an it can be alcohol. I think what Jesus is talking about here, not just not just sexual temptation, but it could be anything. But today I'm I'm going to be using sexual temptation because that's that's where Jesus is at today, and we're going to be focusing on that today. But if this is not your issue, maybe maybe ask the Holy Spirit to reveal what your issue might be today. So he says here in verse 29 through 30. He says, so he uses what it was called as, it's called hyperbole, all right? Every look at your neighbor and say hyperbole, hyperbole. This is an example of hyperbole. So if your eye, even your good eye, causes you to lust, gouge it out and throw away. That would be an example of hyperbole. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your hand, even your strongest hand, causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. Once again, another example of hyperbole. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. So hyperbole is used oftentimes to like, hey, I'm just gonna be ultra dramatic here so that you get the point, that this is important. Back when I was a kid, uh, they used to have this game. How many of you ever played Rock'em Sock'em Robots, okay? You, you push the buttons and these two robots go like this. And, and then the kid would look at the other kid and, and yell at him, I'm gonna knock your block off. How many of you ever used that phrase before, I'm gonna knock your block? How many of you said that to your spouse? I'm gonna knock your block. <laughs> Never mind. Don't say that to your spouse, okay? But I'm not literally going to knock your block off. I'm not literally going to do that. But I'm going to I'm going to inflict some punishment on you. That's I'm, I'm serious. I mean, this is really important, and I think that's what Jesus is trying to communicate here. It's like this is a this is a serious issue. This is more than the act of the of adultery. But I'm saying it's even more serious than that. I'm saying that it is a condition of the heart. And if we're not careful, the condition of us, of our hearts, will lead us down a road of destruction. And so again, this is a call for urgency, a call for urgency. But I think all of us, can, again, can sit here today, and, and, and I, I would say many of us have fallen into what I would call the lust trap. The lust trap, we, we fell 
for the lie. We thought that one act, that one moment of pleasure would bring so much satisfaction and we we discovered that it brought a lot of shame, brought a lot of guilt. Yeah, it felt good at the moment. And why am I wrestling with this guilt? Why why do I have this condemnation? You know, uh, somebody pointed out to me this week a, a statement by Jimmy Carter. He, Jimmy Carter, I, mean, I don't even remember him as president. I barely remember him as president. But 1976, did an interview with Playboy magazine. And he said in Playboy magazine, he, he admitted, he says, I've looked on a lot of women with lust. I've committed adultery in my heart many times. This is something that God recognizes I will do. And I have done it, and God forgives me for it. So here's, if even the president of the United States has this issue, all of us, again, can relate to this topic. This is relatable for every one of us here today. Here's the facts. We need to understand the facts of the matter. First of all, we live in sin-filled bodies that are prone to lust, right? Inside each one of our bodies, there are certain things that we want. And we recognize sometimes it gets unhealthy. And it's, an, it's a desire and it's an urge that I just want that. I want it. I know I shouldn't have it, but I want it. Well, also, it's brought on, it's kind of filled because we live in a sin-filled world. We, 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 a lot of people have tapped on and realized, hey, lust sells. You can make a lot of money selling lust. Do you realize the annual revenue of the porn industry is more than, hey, check this out, the, the, it's, it, it's more than the NFL, the NBA, and Major League Baseball combined. Just think about that thought. It's bigger than all of those three put together. We're talking billions of dollars. So we live in a society that is tapped into like, wait a second, people are looking for this, so let's sell it. Let's sell it. How can it be a bad thing if we can sell it? Here's the, here's a, here's the other fact. When we give in to our lust, it affects those around us. When we give in to our lust, our desires that are unhealthy, it affects the people around us, and usually it affects the ones who are closest to us. And last of all, when we give in to our lusts, there's always this feeling. It, it, it dampens our soul, our spirit. There's always that guilt and that shame that just doesn't go away. The, the Bible calls it condemnation, that feeling of condemnation. And when we have condemnation in our hearts, we, we kind of want we shy away from God. We, we, don't, we don't feel good enough to be around God. So what do we do about it? That's what I want to talk about in the rest of this message, that, that I think it's important that, that we have a fight plan. Okay, that's what I want to talk about today as a fight plan for this battle that goes on within each and every one of us. And we're going to look at Genesis chapter 39. We're going to look at this young man by the name of Joseph. And Joseph found a way. He was in a, in a moment, each and every day, confronted with this, this lust trap that came his way, and he found a way to fight off. First of all, let, let, let's learn about who this uh, Joseph was. He was the youngest son of 11 brothers. 
And we know this, that he was the most favored of the sons. How, how, many, how many older brothers or sisters? How many of you the oldest brother or sibling in your family? Okay. How many of you know that the youngest one was always the favored one? All right. It was always the spoiled one in the bunch. Okay. That's just how it goes. Just, it just it was that way. Not that that was me, but other people, other families. Okay. <laughs> So one day, you know, he, he didn't have to work as hard as his other brother. So one day he decided to go out into the field where his brothers were and to visit with him. And he does something goofy. First of all, he's got this brand new coat that dad gave him that they do not have. And, uh, and second of all, he tells them about this vision that he has. And this vision that he has is, hey, guys, this crazy dream that I had, like, I feel like God gave me that, like, one day, you guys are all going to, like, bow down, at, and, and you guys are going to all have to serve me. <laughs> Big brothers don't like dreams like that, okay? So if you have a dream like that, just don't tell them, okay? And so there was some jealousy. Well, one day, they decided, we got to get rid of little brother, and so they, they kidnap him and they put him in a pit and they just, the conscious can't get themselves to kill him. So they discover that these slave traders are walking by and like, hey, let's sell him off to these slave traders and we can make some money out of the deal. So just unconsciously, they just did it. And these slave traders, they took this young kidnapped boy and they took him into Egypt. And in Egypt, there was a man by the name of Potiphar and Potiphar was an Egyptian official and what he did is he, he purchased young Joseph and he made him a butler in his home. But he was so good at what he did, he became the main butler in what he did. And when you read Joseph's story, it's just a fascinating story of the blessings that God would have on Joseph's life, even though he was a prisoner, even though he was a slave, uh, even though he was in jail, God used him mightily. It's a fascinating story. But today I wanna talk about what I would call Joseph's flight, I'm sorry, Joseph's fight plan. I don't know if he, he exactly had a fight plan, but there's so much that we can learn about Joseph and how to fight lust from his story. So what is a fight plan? A fight plan is what military uh, people will use, you know, Navy SEALs and, and people like this. Before they will go into a battle, they will put together a, a fight plan, a battle plan. This, we know our, our enemy's strengths and we know our enemy's weaknesses and this is how we're gonna approach them. This is what we're going to do and this is what we're not gonna do, okay? Everybody ready? Counter three, one, two, three, life change, go. All right, and so he goes into this, this fight plan. So here's what I would say to you. If you're here today, and you're struggling with the trap of lust, whether it be sexual temptation, food, alcohol, drugs. I think we have a lot to learn from, from Joseph. And I would say, first of all, recognize the triggers. Number one in your notes, recognize the triggers. Psychologists, psychiatrists and people who study human behavior will say this, you gotta know what the triggers are. What is a trigger? Let me use this example. At nighttime at my house, 7, 7.30 in the evening. Can, can I have confession time with the church? Can I, can I confess with you some things? My wife is already just shaking her head already. Yeah, tell them. Tell them what you do. Tell them. Go ahead. I might, as she might get up to use the restroom or do something in the bedroom, I might get out of my chair and walk into the kitchen and to the freezer area. 
And there's usually some ice cream that's in the freezer area. And I know it's there. And I, I, I know I don't need it. I know I've been trying to stay away from it, especially right before you go to bed at night. It's just not good for you. But I get triggered by the refrigerator. I get triggered. It's right there. And so you know what I do? You know what I do? You, I, I'm, just, I'm tired of being triggered by the freezer in the kitchen. I will take the ice cream and I will walk out into the freezer in the garage and I will put it in there so that I will not be triggered when I walk by the freezer anymore. But every once in a while, I will find myself opening up the freezer. Oh, I know where it's at. Maybe she's outside or something. And maybe I, I go into the, I get triggered. I don't know what it is, 7.30, 7.45. Don't call me at that time. Because I'm probably like, yeah, I don't know if it's the freezers. I, I'm finding out really the real trigger is probably the freezer section in the grocery store. Brian, you know what I'm talking about. You work there. You purposely do that on purpose. You, you just put up these triggers. I, I, anyhow, I have a trigger. Let me ask you this morning, what is your trigger? What's that one thing that you get around it and all of a sudden you're thinking about that thing? That's putting desires, I know I, sh I know I shouldn't do it. I said I'm not gonna do it anymore, but what, what's that trigger in your life? Because we need to learn to recognize it. Listen to what it says here in Genesis 39, six and seven. Joseph was a very handsome man, well-built young man, kind of like your pastor. Kind of like your pastor. That's not laughter time. That's like amen time, okay? Let's start. <laughs> and Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. And she just boldly says it, come and sleep with me, she demanded, okay? So because Joseph was a young man, listen to me, this had to have been a trigger in his life. He's a young man. And any woman who's lustfully looking at him and, and just, uh, you know, I don't know what, what was happening there, but this had to have been a trigger in his life. There's a famous book out there by Stephen Atterburn and Fred Stokers. And I recommend it for all men. It's a book entitled, Every Man's Battle. Every Man's Battle. And here's the reality. The battle of lust, especially when it comes to sexual temptation, is every young man's battle. Because here's the problem. Here's the problem. The, the problem is lust. Again, it could be anything. Okay? The reason why we lust things is because, number one, it's attractive. Like my ice cream, it's accessible. And number three, it's allowed. In other words, it's not against the law. Yeah, I might get yelled at by Michelle, but it's not against the law. All right? And that's the way it is with lust, the lust that we struggle with. It's attractive. I, I want that. It's accessible. It's right there. It's just, I have to do is reach out and grab it. And number, one, and number three, it's allowed. So we either learn to control this desire or we allow that desire to control us. And history has shown us that this has been the downfall of so many great leaders. In fact, in the, in the Bible, there's a man by the name of King David. The Bible says that he was a man after God's own heart. And David was doing awesome things for God. 
Let's just say, if, you, if God says that about you, you're doing pretty good. You are a man or a woman after God's own heart. You're doing pretty good. But one day, one day, sitting up on his balcony, he looks across and sees this attractive woman. He finds out that she is accessible because her husband is not in town. And he invites her over just to have a conversation. I don't want to do anything here. And then he winds up sleeping with her. It's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. You see what happens when we give in to our lust, the downfall of every person. How many regrets? How many, how many regrets do we look back in our lives and say, ah, oh, I knew. I knew better. I knew better. I should have walked away, and I knew better. You see, the, the apostle Peter warns us about Satan's tactics. Satan knows what your weakness is. Do you know that? He knows what your lust is. He knows what that trigger is. And that's why he tells us in 1 Peter 5, 8, and 9, he says, listen to me, listen, listen closely. Stay alert. Watch out. Stay alert. For your enemy, the devil, he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Boy, what a great description of Satan. Do you know that? that? That's his goal for your life. God's, God's goal for your life uh, is, to, is that you may have life more abundantly, but the enemy's goal for your life is to, see, to kill, steal, and destroy your life. And so he compares his tactics to like a lion. You know, how, you know what a lion does? And let me just simplify. He looks for one of three things. And if he can have all three, then he'll go after them. But he, a lion, when he goes after his prey, he looks for, number one, is that prey alone? Church, that's why we need each other. That's why we grow stronger in our faith when we grow together. And that's when we fall into temptation most is when we are alone and Satan will look for you. If you're trying to do faith or trying to do life alone, Satan says, oh, this is my favorite. You know what else the enemy, the lion looks for? A lion will look for those who are wounded. He'll look for a wounded animal. And some of you are here today, and not only are you alone, but you're wounded from your past. And that's what keeps you alone. You don't trust other people, and you just kind of stay by yourself. You've not forgiven that person who's hurt you or wounded you in the past. And your woundedness keeps you by yourself. And, and the enemy loves that. Lions look for those who are alone and wounded. And last of all, he likes to go after for those who are not paying attention who are not really taking on the words of Peter, just kind of doing life like, hey, whatever. Hey, what are you guys doing? Like, yeah, I'll do that too. And like, yeah, whatever, whatever is cool. I'm just gonna, not paying attention. That's what lions look for. That's what Satan looks for in your life. He's looking for those who are alone, wounded, not paying attention. And therefore, Peter warns us, stay alert. Listen to me. Jesus tells us, stay alert. Peter says, watch out. Stay alert to your surroundings and who you're surrounding yourself with. Watch out for what you're viewing on the internet. Watch out what you're watching on YouTube or Netflix. Watch out for those things that cause you to be triggered. So we're talking about a fight plan this morning. 
A number one fight plan, I would say, is recognize the triggers. Number two, I would say reject the lies. We gotta reject the lies, reject the lies. Here's some common lies. I'll be honest, maybe I've given to myself. I had that inner conversation with myself. And when I find myself going down that trap, I, I, I kind of say to myself, you know, there's nothing wrong with living by your feelings. There's nothing wrong by that. Now, I'm, I'm not going to hurt anyone. I'm not hurting anything. No one will know, okay? It's, it's just once. It's not a big deal. I can control this. Here's the big one. Here's a big one, all right? You deserve this. You deserve this. You know, these are all the lies that we begin to tell ourselves and when we buy into these lies and we don't, we don't fight them off with truth, we, we usually give in. So instead of believing the lies, listen to the words of Joseph and how his response was. He says this in verse eight and nine. He says, but Joseph refused. Joseph refused. He said, look, he told Potiphar's wife, my master trusts me with everything in his entire household. No one here has more authority than I do. He has held back nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. Joseph refused. He refused to give in to that temptation trap because he knew the truth. He was not living by his feelings. That's what feelings do. Feelings lead you like, well, yeah, if it feels good, then just do it. But the truth is like, no, no, that's a lie. The truth is you are married. You're a married woman and I'm a single man. That would be adultery. Then he says, how could I do such a wicked thing? That's wicked and it's perverse. You know what he's doing? He's speaking the truth. And it would be a great sin against God. It's sin. Let's just stop right here. Did you hear what he just did? He rejected the lies with the truth. But in order to, to reject lies with truth, you have to know what the truth is. Can I just stop right here, church? I'm gonna ask you, do you know the truth? Do you know what you believe. If you don't know what you believe, you will fall for anything and you always will lead with your feelings. What is the truth? What is the truth? And this is what Psalm says here. This is how we can have the sword of the spirit, the word of God's truth in our lives. The psalmist says, how can a young person stay pure? How can any of us fight this, this, this trap of lust? How can we do it? By obeying your word. Well, how can you obey something if you don't know it? Then he says here in verse 11, he says, I, how I've done this, how I've been able to stay pure, I have hidden your word, your truth in my heart, that I might not sin against you. So whenever those temptations, whenever Potiphar's wife comes my way, I say, no, no. That would be evil. You are a married person. That would be adultery. That would be perverse. No. What is the truth? What is the truth? So we need a fight plan. 
And the flight plan I would recognize to you, I, reckon, I would say we need to recognize the triggers. We need to reject the lies. And number three, we need to reroute our steps. You see, when we just do life casually and we're unaware of our surroundings and we're not paying attention and we're not paying attention to what we're watching on TV or on the internet, we will always fall into that lust trap. Listen to how Joseph rerouted his steps, okay? Because that's what we need to do. We need to reroute our steps. Look at here, verse 10. Potiphar's wife kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day. How many of you, like, yeah, that's my workplace. Yeah, that just seems to show up on my internet, that social media page, day after day. But he refused let me just say that one more time. But he refused. There's a stubbornness in there. It's like, no, 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 no. But he refused to sleep with her. And he kept out of her way as much as possible. So in, in all of a sudden, when he recognized, oh, she's here, I'm going the other way. Oh, my goodness. Some of us, we need to learn to reroute our steps. When we see that trigger point there, like, no, that's not the way to go. We need to reroute our steps. Every day, every way, Joseph was being pressured. And for some of you, that pressure, it just seems like every day and every way, it keeps showing up. And I just wonder, maybe it's because of the route you're taking. Maybe you need to reroute your, your steps. Listen again to his responses. He refused. He said no. And number two, he kept away from that temptation. Listen to what it says. Proverbs seven twenty four. 27. Solomon, King Solomon, the Bible says one of the wisest men who ever lived, he's sitting down with his boys and he's having that father-son conversation. And he's maybe telling him lessons learned the hard way. And he's talking to them about sexual purity. And can I just stop right here? That Parents, listen, if you don't have that conversation with your kids about sexual purity and about the topics I'm talking about today, <laughs> the world's gonna give them their version. They are already hearing the world's vision, the, 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 the world's version of this topic, okay? It's already happening. They need to hear what is truth, and they need to hear it from the parents, and maybe they need to hear from your experiences. And that's what Solomon is doing here. He's sitting down with his sons, and he says, so listen to me, my sons, and pay attention to my words. Don't let your hearts stray toward her. And he's talking about sexual temptation. Don't, don't let your hearts go there, because it, it's, a, it's a matter of the heart. Okay, that's what lust is, it's a matter. Don't let your hearts be lusted towards her. Don't wander down her wayward path. In other words, not only your heart, but don't physically go down that pathway because you know where it's at. You know where that lust trap is at. Don't go there in your heart, don't go there in your mind, and don't go there with your feet. For she, listen to me, she has been a ruin of many. Many men have been her victims. Her house is the road to the grave. Her bedroom is the den of death. My word, wow, there is no hyperbole in this one. Let me ask you this question. Your best friend came up to you and said, hey, listen, I'm struggling with alcohol. I'm, I'm struggling, and I really need some help here. I, I need you to give me some advice. What would you say? What would you say? 
You would look that person in this per, in their, in their, and you would say, stay away from the bars. You would say to them, stay away from the liquor store. Stay away and get rid of that stash that you have at home, right? How many of you, that, that would just be like, that's common sense on what to say, right? That's, that, and so that's exactly what, what Solomon is saying to his sons. Don't go there. Stay away. Stay away. And said, we would say, stay away from this, and we would say, go to get help. Go to a program. Go to something like Celebrate Recovery. How many of you ever heard of Celebrate Recovery before? Celebrate Recovery is a program that we are gonna be starting here at the church. It's nationwide. And we're gonna be starting in September. And it's for people who are dealing with hurts, habits, hangups, people who are just like, listen, I, I need some, I'm, I'm struggling here and I need to go to, I need to get help with this program. You're gonna hear more about this here in the coming weeks but go, stay away from this and go to this. Stay away from this and go to this. Stay away from the bars and go to church. Go to a life group. Go to a celebrate recovery. Solomon says, stay away from her. Don't go near the door of her house. For some of you, you need to reroute your steps. You need to reroute your computer. You need to reroute your phone. You need to reroute what the, the, the places that you go to. You need to reroute your television set. You need to reroute something. You, you need to reroute your relationships. So again, what are we talking about here? We're talking about a fight plan. Recognize your triggers, reject the lies, reroute your steps, and last of all, the most practical way, one of the most practical things you can do is to run. We need to learn to run. When it's right there in front of us, we need to run. And so Joseph was like one day tested like no other. And it says here, verse 11, it said, one day, however, no one else was around when he went to do his work. Potiphar's wife came and grabbed him by his cloak, demanding, come on, sleep with me. And then Joseph tore himself away, but left his cloak in her hand as he ran from the house. One day. You know, so many of us are faced with that one day challenge. That one day challenge is that, man, if there was ever an opportunity to partake and nobody would know. I mean, this is just put right there in front of me. Joseph saw this, not as an opportunity, but as a trap. And it says that he ran. You know, the Apostle Paul tells us the exact same things. First Corinthians 16, 18, he says, run. Everybody say run. Look at your neighbor and say run. Run. There's one thing that the church needs to learn to do is we need to learn to run. We need to learn to run from sexual sin because no other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. It, it, it affects the mind the heart, the soul, our strength, everything that has a great effect on us. But, but, but it's, it's kind of like somebody said this, it's like a, a bull in a china shop. Okay, a bull in a china shop, it breaks everything that is so important to us. It breaks up relationships, it breaks up marriages, it breaks up families, and it breaks up our relationship with God. That's why we need to learn to run. Men, I would say this, 
I just talked to the men here. Men, we've been given this gift of our eyes. We have been given the, the ability to recognize beauty, right? And that's why you chose your spouse, because she's the most beautiful person on this earth. Recognize beauty. And we know that it's a gift from God. But when we utilize that gift from God and we begin to use it towards our lust, problems evolve, right? Man, we know what, we know what we're talking about here. So one of the, the most things that we, 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 if we're gonna run, one of the things that we need to, men, we need to learn to run with, we need to learn to run with our eyes. Men, we need to have chronic neck problems. Is that fair to say that? Man, we need to learn, whoa, no, no, no. We need to have neck problems. We need to learn to run. When dating, we need to learn. For those who are, who are dating in dating relationship, you're not married. You need to learn to run towards a crowd of people. We need to learn to run with our computers and with our phones. We need to only use them in public. We need, for those who are struggling with this, we need to learn to put, the, I, somebody talked to me, uh, to put that phone in the kitchen and turn it off before I go to bed at night. Last of all, I know I said that here, but here's my last one. We have a fight plan. We're gonna recognize the triggers. We're gonna reject the lies. We're gonna reroute our steps. We're gonna run away. And last of all, I think the most important thing that we can do with this issue, with this topic, is we need to learn to repent. Repent, that word repent means I'm gonna turn away from my sin, but as I'm turning away from my sin, I'm going to turn towards God. I know some people, they try to turn away from their sin, but they're not turning towards God to help them. Listen to what John says here, 1 John 1, 9. He says, but if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all our wickedness. Church, let me tell you this. Don't let your condemnation, don't let your shame hold you back from the healing that God wants to bring into your life. Four things quickly here that we need to confess. Number one, we need to confess we have sinned. Confess it. Some of you right now, you just go ahead and say, God, I, I've confessed to you. I've sinned in this area. Some of you feel a heaviness of guilt and condemnation right now. Just say, God, forgive me. Or forgive my heart. I know through pursuing that lust, I've sinned against you. You need to, number two, you need to confess that you need God's forgiveness. God, forgive me. Lord, I ask that you would just take away the stain of that sin and that you would wash my heart from that impurity. God, I don't want to live in that lust trap any longer. God, will you forgive me? Number three, you need to confess that you cannot change on your own. Listen to me. When it comes to something like this, it's not one of like, okay, I'm never going to do it again. Learn my lesson. No, 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 no. You need God's help. You know, I love it how David, when he failed, he called out to God, God, he, it's like he put himself on an operating table. God created me a clean heart and renew a right spirit in me. Church, I want to tell you, you can't do this alone. 
You need God's help. You need to put yourself in position each and every day through worshiping and through prayer and through the word of God so that you know his truth. And last of all, you need to, you need to confess your sin to a friend. When it comes to the issues of lust, you need a friend. Currently, I have a friend who reached out to me this spring and said, listen, I need you to know I'm struggling in this area. And this person set up an account called Covenant Eyes. How many of you ever heard of Covenant Eyes? And what I get is I get a report, an email report of the things that he has looked at. They're all blurred, but you get, it, you get an idea if it has been inappropriate or not. And then he gets a phone call from, e, from me each and every week. And we talk about where he's at and what he's doing. He's making himself accountable. And that's what we need to do for a church. We need not put condemnation and shame on each other because of the, the lust trap, but we need to be accountable, loving and encouraging, full of grace to each other. When it comes to sexual sin, somebody said this, it will always take you farther than you wanna go it will keep you longer than you want to stay and cost you more than you want to pay. We need a fight plan. The fight plan is to recognize the triggers. I'm going to reject the lies. I'm going to reroute my steps. I'm going to learn to run. And when I've fallen, oh, I'm going to repent to God. If you're here today, and you're just, I'm not even going to have you raise your hand, but you're just saying, Pastor, I just need to pray the prayer of repentance. I need God's help in the area of my life. Can, can we just all bow our heads with you? And in your heart, you raise your hand. Just say, God, I need you. I need you to come and bring healing into my heart. I need you to create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit in me. God, help me. God, I pray that you would help me to, with this fight plan to stand strong when I feel weak. God, I want to live in victory like Joseph. In Jesus' name I pray. If you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that is the most important thing. That's the foundation of this. And I encourage you, give your life to Jesus. And you can do that right here, right now. Just say, God, I need you. I invite you to come and live inside of me, to change me, to forgive me of my sins. Today, I choose to live for you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Can we just give God praise for the victory that we have in Jesus' name?